0: Spanning the Valley of the Sun and all across the 48th state, this is the Gatos and Chad Show. Happy, happy Tuesday, everybody. Steve Zinsmeister and Bruce St. James in for Gatos and Chad. Hope they're enjoying their vacations. Uh, There's no shortage of things going on today. Mm. Four o'clock, and we finally have some big breaking news. The reaction (laughs) from uh, the Biden administration to the Supreme Court yesterday. Right. They, all right, so this is all confusing. But yesterday, the Supreme Court said, we're going to keep Title 42. Which is the uh, temporary policy. stay. We're going to pause the elimination of, of Title 42. Title 42. Quick recap. The ability to send migrants back to their country of origin based on COVID. Uh, yeah. Basically. B- b- health reason. It was an idea we came up with a couple of years ago when COVID was more prominent. It's no longer Actually, as prominent. It was used in the 20s also. Really? Yeah, for like smallpox or something. A different disease, mm. essentially. Okay, yeah, same basic concept. Uh, but the court says that reason is no longer legitimate. It's yep. no longer around, so we got to get rid of this. Now it's just a matter of, okay, if we're going to wind this thing down, when do we do that? It was supposed to expire Wednesday. They said, mm, no, we'll listen to some arguments. Biden gets back to them today. Yeah, and so
1: the Biden, Biden administration... Went before the Supreme Court today, and they do this all in writing, and said, we want to end Title 42, but we're okay on you leaving the pause in place for now until next Wednesday at midnight. What's a week going to do? Or Tuesday at 11.59 p.m., basically.
0: Okay, so instead of doing it this Wednesday, you do it next Wednesday. What, what's, the, what's the difference? They said the administration... That it it needs the
1: time to better prepare for what the end of of Title 42 looks like. They claim, and I don't know this to be true, says they will have, quote, new policies tailored to the consequences of the end of Title 42's orders, a complex multi-agency undertaking with policy, operational and foreign relations dimensions included in the filing.
0: So we just talked with Doug Nichols. He's the mayor of Yuma, which is certainly one of the hot spots for immigration here in the state of Arizona, Um, more so than probably any other area in our state. He says uh, that the numbers fluctuate daily, but... For a long time, he's been telling us it's about 1,000 people come across yep. a day. Today, he told you and I, make it 1,100 yep. because it's going up. And my guess is that with the expulsion of Title 42, uh, that will go up possibly dramatically.
1: Well, will it be more people coming across or fewer people being sent back?
0: Do you see what I mean? Yeah. No, okay. I, I get what you're saying. Fundamentally, will more people
1: show up or will just will – Title 42 will restrict the ability to send them back? It'll feel worse. Because more of them will now become... The system is be more strange, Yeah,
0: Exactly. There, there would be nowhere to put them. The interesting thing that he told us today, and I guess, I don't know if this is the, the not breaking news, but this is what's new happening in Yuma. As of today, he says Border Patrol agents are now releasing migrants onto the streets of Yuma. Because there's no one else to give them to. I think he said it was like 50 or something a day. And it, it, it doesn't sound dramatic, but certainly over time that... Adds up quite a bit. Well, my guess is people who
1: come across—I'm guessing—and maybe I shouldn't—if you've trekked from wherever—Venezuela, right? Cuba, Nicaragua—and you've made it to Yuma or the other side of the border—and you cross into the United States. Now what? What's the plan? Presumably, you have to have somewhere to go. Right. Are, are these people expecting to stay in Yuma? You see what I'm saying? And if not, well, where are you going and how are you getting there?
0: Yeah, and you hear a lot of anecdotes about, you know, I I, I came to America because I have family or mm-hmm. a friend or I know somebody, and maybe they live in, like, Nebraska or Seattle or they live on the East Coast. They're in Washington or they're in New York, uh, and I'm going to go stay with them. And you hear that a lot. I, I, again, I don't want to guess, but... I kind of assume that a lot of people have some sort of a plan. They're not just going to show up at the border and then, oh, I'm, I live in Yuma, Yuma now. Right. Permanently. So they're trying to get out of Yuma. Yuma is, is, our, is our assumption. I would think. It's not just getting to America. It's, okay, I got to America, and now what? Yeah. And there has to be an, a, a now what? So, one of the things, and, and you know
1: what? I, I, there is some validity to the argument of ending Title 42. um, And in the filing that the Biden administration made in front of the Supreme Court. They basically said that Title 42 was meant to address a specific issue, a health global health crisis and connect that with immigration. People coming across the border. We are not in that world anymore. So let's stop using. The global health crisis as the excuse. It remains to be seen in the court filing. They, they only alluded to other policies and plans. Okay, then what? And we know, and I learned this from, from uh, th- yesterday, that the countries I mentioned, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba, they aren't accepting people back. Like, I don't know how that works. Yeah, if you leave good riddance and don't come back yeah but okay so we say no we're putting on a plane back to to cuba and cuba goes that plane's not landing here like i don't know how's that work
0: I no, don't know. Right. relations with, i don't know relations with each country are different well, you're gonna too. parachute out over havana you know you're out i don't know what to tell you our relationship with mexico is far different from our relationship with venezuela Uh, Yes. So they're not all equal, I guess, is the point that you're making. Uh, Here's the other thing. The other aspect of this. I mean, I talked about, you know, what's a week really going to make? What difference does that make if we end it today or we end it next Wednesday? Could we be a little bit more prepared a week from now? I guess if you make good strides over the holiday weekend, nobody's going to work. uh, Have you looked at our office? It feels like Biden was like, can't we just have a peaceful Christmas? Can I mean, we just deal with this after Christmas? Just, just I
1: want to be able to Christmas. sit
0: down at the table and not argue about Title 42. Yeah, it goes without saying, the Biden administration has very bad timing when it comes to ending things. So okay. remember, remember the rent moratorium mm. and how we were just putting off, ah, you don't have to pay your rent because COVID. And we're all two years post-COVID and you, there's still a moratorium on paying your rent. And I'm like, eventually we got to pull that Band-Aid off, right? Right. That was something we talked about. Afghanistan, much different situation, but... Uh, Could we have pulled out quicker and and, and gotten things done before it all hit the fan? Yeah, we probably could have. It just feels like another instance of we could have done something about this a long time ago. The mayor of Yuma put in his letter that I got in my inbox today uh, that we've been asking for a plan for what's going to happen when Title 42 goes away since they put Title 42 in place. Uh, With 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 the assumption like
1: it's going to end at some point. Right. What's the plan? And right now the plan is uh, we'll let you know in a week. Give us another week. Working on the plan over Christmas. Uh, yeah, we're working
0: very hard over the holiday week. And,
1: and you know what? The agencies, the nonprofits, the charities—they're stretched thin. They're 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 overburdened along the border. There's no argument about that. And the ending of Title Forty Two doesn't address any any of that.
0: Yeah, it plays a huge role in why the uh, why Mayor of Yuma Doug Nichols says that they're releasing people into the streets now. Because where else are they going to go? There's only so much square footage. And it's only going to get worse as time goes on if Title 42 does, in fact, go away, uh, supposedly. Uh, By uh, uh, midnight, uh,
1: 1159 on Tuesday evening.
0: Merry Christmas, I guess. Coming up next, one of the biggest filmmakers in the world says that he finally found the answer to the biggest plot hole in a movie in history. We'll tell you a little bit more about that next on the Gators and Chad Show.
1: Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM.
0: This is the Gatos and Chad Show. Steve Zinzweister and Bruce St. James in for the guys today. This portion of the program brought to you by Parker & Sons Plumbing and Electrical, the two-time winner of the Better Business Bureau's Ethics Award. One of the biggest filmmakers in the world is James Cameron. <laughs> uh, yes. Safe to say. He just put out Avatar 2. I know The that's Way of the, the Water. The Way of the Water. Was the whole movie Underwater?
1: A lot of it was. A lot of it was. Not all of it. I
0: feel like that's a new trend. We had the Aquaman movies, yeah. some of the Pirates movies. But keep in movie. mind, this is
1: under the water in Pandora. Oh, yeah. So under the Earth. water in Pandora looks very different than under the water off Santa Monica. Yeah, Clear
0: water, I assume on. Pandora? Very clear on Pandora. That's because humans haven't. Uh, you get to see what yet. swims around underneath there. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So that's his new movie. Uh, James Cameron frequently gets asked about one of his older movies, which is Titanic. Certainly one of the biggest movies of all time. Of all time. Uh, one of the bigger love stories of all time, The Power <sighs> of Love, uh, and how love saved Rose. Yeah. Well, really, the, the door floating in the ocean saved Rose. Don't. And could the door have also saved Jack, played by Leonardo DiCaprio?
1: It's funny because this, uh, uh, apparently, and I you, know, I saw Titanic, I saw it once. Okay. Only once. I don't even see it again. The boat sank, right? Yeah. So I saw it, and I, I got it. I understood it. Um, I, I get what, what kind I of a movie it, it There's was. There's not much to get I got it. boat sinks, yeah. Um, but I have not spent the last 25 years debating and arguing whether Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Jack Dawson, could have survived floating on the door that uh, uh, Kate Winslet, the Rose, was floating on.
0: Oh, see, I've been debating it in my head for Have that. you written? Oh, This, ever, ever this since is the kind of out.
1: conversations that go on in the, in the lose, Zinsmeister household. I lose sleep over this, lose Bruce. Lose sleep over it. <laughs> so, um, the actors and James Cameron apparently get asked about this, like, all the time. It's the thing people want to talk about with Titanic. Kate Winslet uh, was on a podcast, and... Um, Apparently, she got into a little bit of, of, of hot water, because originally, she kind of said, yeah, I think we both could have survived. Well, that just set the world alight. Yep. You know. Now like, it's a thing. Like, you put it out in the universe. You put it out in the universe. Now she's backpedaling on it. She actually made a point. She said, yeah, I don't know. She goes, "She go put it this way. If you had, this is, this is Kate Winslet. She said, like, if you had a paddleboard, could two people stand on a paddleboard? No, you would fall off, and you would tip over on it. Could two people stand on a paddleboard? Well, but you didn't have to stand. Yeah, two adults. She laid on the door. Becomes unstable, she says. "So yeah, I don't know about that. She might have been backtracking because she heard from the, the big cheese, yeah. James Cameron, the director. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> who apparently has a show coming out in February where they attempt to definitively figure out could Jack and Rose both have survived floating on the door when the titanic It's sank. a question that needs an answer. Yeah. Could two fictional characters <laughs> have survived? <sighs> James Cameron. He's on, uh, you know, he's out there talking about his new movie Avatar 2 or as you call it or Avatar the Way of the Water. And of course, he gets asked about it and he says, "Of course I do." Been asked about it for 25 years now. He said, "We did a scientific study."
0: Of course they did.
1: To put this thing to rest. Once and for all. James Cameron says, we've done a thorough forensic analysis with a hypothermia expert who reproduced the raft from the movie. We took two stunt people who were of similar body mass to Kate and Leo. We put sensors all over them and inside them. Didn't need to know that. And we put them in (laughs) ice water and tested to see whether they could have survived through a variety of methods. And the answer was... There is no way they both could have survived. Only one could survive. Ah, I don't believe them. I don't believe it. This sounds like an episode of
0: Mythbusters to me.
1: Mythbusters did did it. it. And Mythbusters came out and said they they both would have survived. So James Cameron... Who am I supposed to believe? Supposed to believe. So he, We're <laughs> going to have
0: a show about that. We're going to get to the All bottom. Alright, so the only way that we can definitively answer the question is you and I will have to have our own scientific study. I'm not having sensors put inside me. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> just, I, I'm, uh, a, I'm a no. You lost
1: uh, me at sensors
0: inside me. I, how do you I approach want to a test subject and say, you know, you kind of look like you're Kate Winslet size. and You're then, kind of Leo-ish. Well, here's what we'll do. How about we float you on a door in ice cold water for mm. several hours and see what happens. Yeah, how about no? It doesn't sound very appealing. I you also about saw, saw one of the bigger movies that's out right
1: now. Uh, opens on Friday. Uh, it's called Babylon and it stars everybody you've ever heard of. Uh, m- Not really. really. It's got a lot of people. Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie at the top of the list. I could uh, watch, yeah, those I can watch her all amazing. day, by the way. She's fantastic. Um, this is set in the 20s in Hollywood, the early days of Hollywood. Warning. It's three hours and nine minutes long. They don't get me started. Avatar was three hours also. They're, everybody's doing three hour movies now. No, no potty breaks.
0: No you, I, I, I need to know the best time to go to the they,
1: there needs to be they need to have intermissions. If you're gonna do a three hour movie, give me an intermission. I'm all for it. Uh and let's go, go get the refill on popcorn. Uh but um it is a little bit of everything. It is a roller coaster ride set inside of a movie. It is Basically, uh, Margot Robbie is a young starlet. Brad Pitt is an aging star, you know, and it tells the story of not just them, but others kind of making their way through this crazy time in Hollywood. It's part comedy, part drama, part historical documentary. It's a little bit of everything. It'll make you laugh. Um, There's shocking moments in it. I thought it was sad in parts. Um, There's a lot to it. Uh, three. There's a lot to it. Uh, Babylon, on the one to five scale, I gave it three and a half.
0: Really? Okay, that's pretty good. And you gave Avatar two? Four. Wow. That's pretty good. It's mm. pretty good on your scale. I feel like there's a lot of families that are going to be going to see movies during the holiday season. They
1: know that. And, yeah. and the, the movie companies know that apparently when your in-laws show up, uh, the first thing you want to do is go sit in a dark room somewhere where you can't talk.
0: Yeah, you don't have to talk So to let's people. go to the movie. That's brilliant. Yeah. That sounds like a good plan to me. Go check them out. Coming up, Carrie Lake, uh, she's going to have her day in court. She's going to have a chance to prove some of the claims that she has against how the election went down. And you know what? I think we're pretty much cool with that at this point. We'll tell you why next on the Gatos and Chad Show.
1: Arizona's news station, KTAR News,
0: 92.3 FM. The Gatos and Chad Show, 2 till 6. This portion of the program brought to you by Parker & Sons Plumbing and Electrical, the two-time winner of the Better Business Bureau's Ethics Award, Steve Sinsmeister and Bruce St. James in Frigatos and Chad. Howdy. They picked an interesting day to miss. I'd say it was a, at least an interesting day for some uh, election challengers, such as Carrie Lake in the governor's race and Abe Homiday in the very close attorney general's race. Both of them got a chance to present their. What, what, Lake had 10 counts uh, that mm-hmm. she's suing for. Uh, I believe Homiday had five. five. And today we found out just how many of each of them will be actually heard, heard by the court. So, Carrie Lake, 10, K, uh, 10 counts. Two of them will be heard. Correct. The other eight were just thrown out.
1: Starting tomorrow, by the way, two-day trial, starting tomorrow, uh, where evidence and testimony will begin. Um, the, the judge tossed out a lot of them. And, you know, we just learned that even though the judge allowed that Kerry mm. Lake could call Governor-elect Katie Hobbs as a witness, they took her off the witness list today. They being Lake's attorneys. Um, Probably because uh, there is nothing specific in the two counts they're arguing that have to do with Katie Hobbs, the the final two. Because the eight that were thrown out, the conspiracy theories, the nut job stuff uh, that involved it it, is not going to do it. For example, um, one of the ones that got thrown out was... um, that Secretary of State Katie Hobbs attempted to censor social media content by flagging posts that included election, election misinformation. Yes,
0: yeah, so if they're going to be hearing counts from the late campaign that have nothing to do with Katie Hobbs, then what's the point of yeah. calling Katie Hobbs as a witness?
1: Yeah, so they, they, uh, they're not going to call her because the two counts that they will be hearing in the late case have to do primarily with Maricopa County.
0: Yeah, so two counts. I, I would say there's one probably I'm more interested than in the other. That's count two in this case. All right. Lake basically alleged that the printers that malfunctioned in Maricopa County, that happened at a lot of locations. She claims that it was intentional. In, intentional. That somebody, uh, staffer at locations or somebody who works for Katie Hobbs or something, somebody intentionally downed the printers with the intent to... Changed the results of the election. So now, because the judge says that he's going to hear out the campaign, you now have the burden of proof, Mm -hmm. not only that the printers were intentionally messed with, but also, once you prove that, then you also have to prove that you were going to win and then you didn't because of that. The, The amount of issues that came because of the printers would cause a change in the election. From everything I've heard and read from a legal perspective, I'm not a lawyer, but the people who are playing one on the radio You're say, pretty good at that. Uh, "Well, thank you." They say that this burden of proof, the bar that has been set by this judge, is incredibly high. Yeah, that you know, it, proving one of those two things would be difficult on its own right. and damn near impossible. And I don't know that there's much precedent for it either. But to do both is truly going to be a remarkable feat if it's even accomplishable.
1: The other count has to do with proper chain of custody requirements for ballots.
0: Is that it, like, uh, we heard a lot of uh, conspiracy theories after you know, the Box 3 thing. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, printers weren't working properly, therefore the tabulation machines couldn't read the ballots. So you have to drop your ballot into Box right. 3, and which gets counted And what was the chain of later. custody
1: between that and then it getting to uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 where they count the ballots?
0: Yeah, I mean, we heard rumors that... Those ballots from box three were putting in, they were putting them in, in trash bags or duffel bags mixed with other ballots that were then maybe not getting counted. Maybe they were. And the judge said, prove it. Yeah, great. No problem. Show me the evidence. We'll ha- we- we've got evidence tomorrow,
1: starting tomorrow morning. Certainly. You have your chance to prove it in court.
0: Certainly something you and I are going to be paying attention to tomorrow yeah. uh, when we're doing the show and beforehand. I like this much better than the alternative of the judge throwing out all ten counts because okay. if that had happened, we know the playbook by now. It's the Trump playbook. Whenever you don't get your way in the courts, which he often did not no. in his election denialism, then if everything gets thrown out, you have every right to go out there and just complain that you were. It's it's a conspiracy. A it's liberal liberals. Choice. It's um, Obama Biden. Yeah. So, so. I'm kind of glad that the judge said, "Okay, you know what? I'm willing to hear you out." Come prove it to me. Yeah. Because now I want to see the evidence. You'll have every opportunity in a
1: court of law to make your argument.
0: Uh, I mentioned Attorney General Race, Abe Hamaday. Yes. Uh, he also kind of had uh, a decision made on how many of his counts. He had four counts that he's suing on. Five, uh, or, sorry, five counts. Four of them will be heard. Yes. Um, so perhaps um, by my math, he had a little bit more of a case to stand on. But again, it doesn't mean that he has a good case. Uh, to win, It just means that the judge is willing to hear him out.
1: Yeah. And uh, it was some of the similar ones, but his are also a, a, a little bit different. Uh, his lawsuit um, um, specifically gets into things like the tabulation machines in Maricopa County, which apparently weren't part of Lake's one. So they, they're, they're arguing a few different things.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what kind of evidence they do bring forward, if, if anything, I guess. I, I really don't know how that's going to go. It's a two-day trial. The the judge has limited
1: this, Uh, so uh, Wednesday and Thursday, for the lake, uh, the lake case, uh, that will be, we'll we'll, um,
0: we'll find out. We'll see what happens, I guess. Uh, Coming up next, the Phoenix Suns have a new owner, or at least will very, very soon. So, who is this guy? I found a rule that he has for his employees and his other company. It's kind of interesting. You're going to want to hear this next on the Gatos and Chad show.
1: Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM.
0: Drive home with the Gatos and Chad Show. Steve Zinsmeister and Bruce St. James in for Gatos and Chad. Thanks for checking out the show this afternoon. Big news from the uh, Phoenix Suns organization. (laughs) And it's better news than yesterday, because yesterday we got bad news about the Suns, more allegations of wrongdoing within the company. Mm -hmm. Today it's much, much better. Supposedly, according to ESPN, uh, there is a new owner on the way.
1: Yeah, and I'm not trying to split hairs, but can I say owners?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's always like the face of a purchase, and then there's a bunch of people who purchase. Well, Forbes is reporting it's the
1: brothers, okay, Matt and J- Justin Ishba. Ishbia, Ishbia, I Ishbia, Ishbia. That's what I've been hearing. Uh, they are the co-owners of United wholesale mortgage. Now, maybe Matt's being mentioned more because he owns 70%, 71% of the company. Justin owns 22%. Matt is estimated to be worth 4.7 billion. His little brother, Justin, is only worth Two billion, so you know a minuscule two billion. (laughs) Does he have to sit the little table uh, at Christmas because he's only that's for the two billionaires? Uh, The big table four billion.
0: Sorry, over here, I would do that if that was my brother. I don't know the brother's role in the company, but I know Matt, who's being talked about the most, is the president and CEO of the mortgage lending company. So yeah, maybe that's why he's getting talked about the most. Um, But. Essentially, we have a brand new owner coming to the Phoenix Suns, certainly something that's welcomed by the fan base, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know anything about this guy. I do not. I didn't know the name Matt Ishbia. Never he, heard it in my life. People brought up, uh, oh, you might remember him from when he was on the bench at Michigan State in the year 2000. Nope, I don't. He won I a national really championship. Yeah, he played there four years, won a national title. He coached under Tom Izzo, a very popular, very good basketball yeah. coach at Michigan State. Um, that was like 20-ish years ago, and now he's a multi-billionaire, and he's buying an NBA team. Good for him. Uh Couple of things that I like about this, okay. obviously a basketball background. So we know he cares about winning in the team and basketball stuff.
1: He played 48 games for Michigan State over three seasons and won the national championship in 2000.
0: Yeah, let's be honest. This is the guy that came into the game. If he came into the game, it was because you were up by 30 or down by 30. No lie. (laughs) Near the end of the bench. He was a hell of a cheerleader. I think even he would tell you that he was okay. (laughs) Defense. He's really good at that. He's that guy at the end of the bench. (laughs) Uh, He's certainly not at the end of the bench anymore. So here's something that I do when I don't know anything about a person and they're, becoming, they're coming to town, essentially. I just search them on YouTube. That's a good way to do it. I, I don't know anything about this guy. What, okay. what, what can this guy tell me? And I, I'm, I'm not going to get an interview with the guy the day that he's trying to buy the Phoenix Suns, so mm-hmm. how do I find out more about him? You just search him on YouTube and you find interesting stuff. Um, this is a dude who is very attentive to detail, uh, and I even found out some of the very interesting rules that he has within his company for his employees. You want to hear an interesting one? Ready. All right, let's hear this one.
1: We allow no technology in our meetings. So if I
0: run a meeting, you're not having your phone out on front of me. You're not having a laptop. You're going to mm-hmm. take notes and you're going to fill it up later because we are effectively every minute matters. And this isn't Mm. him being like, I hate technology or, uh, you know, get out of here with your new school stuff. No, this is a guy who literally pays attention to every second, every minute that is wasted within his company. If I'm three minutes late to a meeting, that means that I multiply that three minutes by every employee in the meeting and that's how many minutes I wasted. That's his mentality. I like it. Running a business. Right off the bat, I like it. Uh, This was a little bit more about him talking about uh, being late and how that's one of the more disrespectful things you could do.
1: I think one of the most disrespectful things to do is if I have a meeting with 10 people and it starts at 930 and I walk in at 933, that's three minutes times 10 people. I just wasted 30 minutes of my people's time. Disrespectful, unacceptable. We don't do it here.
0: He talked within this about how he has an assistant Mm -hmm. who her job, part of her job, I'm sure, is every time he's in a meeting, which is all day. She says, "You have five minutes," and then he knows. Okay, that's my cue. I have five minutes to wrap this up and be in the next meeting five minutes from now. Not not, smart managers. Not wrap it up in five minutes. Right? You have somewhere to be in five minutes. You
1: know, it it reminds me of, uh, uh, and you you were too young to remember this. uh, The CEO of General Electric, Jack Welch, uh, wrote a book once, uh, kind of a management book. And you know, one time GE was, you know. It was like the apple of our day, okay, back in the day. Gee, he owned everything. Um, and he used to have an egg timer. You know those little sand yeah. through the hourglass? Yeah. And he would walk into meetings, and he'd flip the egg timer over. And he goes, when the last grain of sand comes
0: out of there, I leave the meeting. So the, he goes, "Get get to what you need answers for. Now, that's the other thing that I heard uh, Ishbia talking about was not only does every meeting have to be on the clock, but also we have to have actionable steps by yep. the end of the meeting. If I don't know, if you don't know exactly what's expected of you by the end of the meeting, you didn't do it right.
1: If uh if approved by the NBA, he will become the youngest owner in the NBA. He and his brother
0: will have a 60% stake in the Suns. I think he's a little over 40, 42. Wow. $4 billion he bought the Suns for, supposedly. Mm. So, new owner coming to town. We're going to learn more about him as the days go on. Coming up next, it's the 5 o'clock KTAR News expansion. Then we're back. Is Title 42 going away on Wednesday or what? We're going to find out on the Gators and Chad Show.